Thank you all for coming. This is our third class on Bodhisattva way of life. The text um, written by Shantideva in the 8th century monk in Mahayana Nalanda University. So, as I said in the first class, I was thinking of giving covering the whole thing in four classes or three classes and then started preparing and decided no it cannot be done there is no need to do elaborate preparation just the verses itself is very clear and we'll go slow and we'll read through the text and take portions of it and then do some contemplations and analysis or um, dialogue so what we did in the last two classes is you know we covered chapters one to four and we started chapter five the chapter one is the benefit of bodhicitta so it's very um, common in any dharma text the first chapter dedicated to the benefits of studying that so um, that's what we did in the um, first class chapter one is benefit of bodhicitta and this chapter two is purification or disclosing the unwholesome or disclosing confession confessions of our bad karma chapter three is after knowing the benefits of bodhicitta and doing the purification we are actually taking hold of the bodhicitta that means we are owning bodhicitta that we have that renewed intention or promise to have to work for enlightenment for the benefit of all living beings and then once the intention is done the chapter four was actually attending to that just like the baby is born but baby hasn't started walking you know so the baby needs to be attended to just like any any new newborn baby if it is not attended it's going to just die away so the in chapter 3 shanti deva walk through the steps of how to give birth to bodhicitta in our hearts and take hold of it own it as our own baby and chapter 4 is how to not, you know, take it for granted that you have the intention and promise and or taken the vows or whatever, but, and then go away your business, daily life. So attending and reinstalling that, that desire and um, attending to the baby bodhicitta. And, the, and then those, that is the first four chapters and the next four, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8 is actually dedicated to practices. 
The fifth cha chapter is actually guarding awareness. That is actually a chapter dedicated on mindfulness. That is the first practice that is um, presented by Shantideva. The sixth chapter is pra um, the practice of tolerance or Shanti, or it's also called not getting an angry. This is the um, practice of uh, paramita of six or six perfections patience and then chapter seven is about joyous effort that is the fourth perfection in six perfection and chapter eight is meditative concentration dhyana so five six seven eight five mindfulness tolerance or patience joyous effort or energy virya that's the name sanskrit name of that text virya paramita and chapter 8 is meditative concentration so in in um, in this text there are four chapters dedicated for these four practices and the chapter 9 is dedicated on the paramita of vista prajna paramita and the chapter 10 is Bodhi Parinama, that is the dedication. So these are the 10 chapters. We are on five, fifth chapter, Guiding Awareness, and it has 109 verses. And um, we are going to take it slow. The first 10 verses of this chapter, Guiding Awareness, is actually dedicated to um, the concept that everything you see, everything in life is actually created by mind. So let me read some verses from that. Those who wish to guard their practice, that means in chapter four, we have actually, um, you know, that holding, attending to bodhicitta, that, that is a practice. So those who wish to guard their practice should very attentively guard their minds. This is the first line of the chapter five, guarding their mind, guarding um, their mind. Guarding one's mind is actually the foundation of all other practices. And, and that may be the reason why he has put this as the fifth chapter. That means the first of the, the set of practices. Those who wish to guard their practice should very attentively guard their minds. And those who do not guard their minds will be unable to guard their practice means no matter how much intention you have if you don't have that diligence to keep that to attend to that and to guard that the baby will not grow um, in this world unsubdued and crazed elephants are incapable of causing such harms as the miseries of the deepest hell which can be caused by the unleashed elephant of mind. So the first chapter is in, itself is this is the skill. The first chapter he gives like if you do not guard the guard your practice, if you do not guard your minds, attentively guard your minds, you will not be you will be unable to attend to the bodhicitta. And the second one is he is comparing that even crazy elephants are incapable of causing such harm and miseries of the deepest hell which can be caused by the unleashed elephant of mind so an unguarded mind is can cause you more harm than a crazy elephant 
But if the elephant of my mind is firmly bound on all sides by the rope of mindfulness, all fears will cease to exist and all virtues will come into my mind. So this, this first three verses itself is like goes directly inside you. You know, so it's actually just like what we did in our beginning meditation. These are like capsules. Just taking out of 24 hours, we are taking like 90 minutes. And in that 90 minutes, we took three minutes for meditation. <laughs> and that actually, you know, it, it's like adding that drop of um, syrup in uh, in your glass or, or like a, a teaspoon of sugar in your glass of hot chocolate. It changes the whole flavor and, you know, and nourishes you. So these first three um, verses is like a summary is giving you that um, immediacy you know in, in, that this is serious business um, the fourth verse is tigers lions elephants bears snakes all all forms of enemies the guardians of the hell worlds evil spirits and cannibals will all be bound by binding my mind alone and will all be subdued by subduing my mind alone so he's continuing the four and fifth were saying that all the scary things in in in, li in, <clears throat> in life will not be actually as scary if you actually think about mind and if you actually can control your mind they are not scary the perfect teacher himself that is shakyamuni buddha have shown that in this way all fears as well as boundless miseries originate from the mind so the so this he's slowly taking us to his core teaching that everything originates from the mind the perfect teacher himself has shown that in this way all fears as well as boundless miseries originate from the mind who intentionally created who intentionally created all the weapons for those in hell who created the burning ground from where did all the hell ensure the mighty one has said that all such things are workings of an evil mind Hence, within the three spheres, world spheres, there is nothing to fear other than mind itself. This is 1 to 10. So, importance of the mind and if an unguarded mind is actually capable of creating the most fearful of, of the hell. That is, that is the, that's what he's saying. Um, creating that need for guarding the mind so this chapter is called guarding the mind and first these are the first 10 verses uh, first eight verses we read the next next one if perfection of generosity were the alleviation of world's poverty then since all beings are still starving now in what manner did the previous buddhas perfect it so buddhas take a vow to end poverty and suffering but then there is still poverty here does that mean that the buddhas did not do their job so he's asking a question the perfection of generosity is said to be the thought to give all beings everything together with the fruit of such a thought hence it is simply a state of mind so perfection of generosity is to give everybody what they want and if if the buddhas in the past had done that there will not be Gen poverty in the world now so but we still do see poverty 
that means he is actually taking to taking us to think that it's not just the outer practice it is the inner practice that ends the suffering that everything is a state is hence it is simply a state of mind what poverty that is the worst turn so the so the next seven from 10 to 17 he's telling there is like a lot of external suffering it's not possible to end those external sufferings unless you stop the internal suffering and on verse 17 he ends that this is the secret of mind so let me go through that the perfection of generosity is said to be the thought to give all beings everything together with the fruit of such a thought hence it is simply a state of mind nowhere has the killing of fish or other creatures been eradicated for the entertainment of merely the thought to forsake such things is explained as the perfection of moral discipline unruly beings are as unlimited as space they cannot possibly be overcome but if i overcome the thoughts of anger alone this will be equivalent to vanquishing all force where would i possibly find another leather with which to cover the surface of the earth but wearing leather just on the soles of my shoes is equivalent to covering the earth with it so this is a beautiful example that he's showing we cannot cover the whole earth with leather but we can actually cover our soles of my shoes with leather and that is equivalent to covering the earth with it likewise it is not possible for me to restrain the external course of things but should i restrain this mind of mine what would be the need to restrain all else although the development of merely a clear state of concentration can result in taking birth in the buddha realm physical and vocal actions cannot so result when accompanied by weak mental contact the knower of the reality has said that even if recitation and physical hardships are practiced for long periods of times they will be meaningless if the mind is distracted elsewhere so in his very skillful teacher and actually he's teaching himself okay remember this is not a text written to teach others he was a loner and this is the journal he wrote to teach himself so the the flow is very important last class i had actually given the homework of reading this chapter i don't know how many of you did that um if you take this chapter five and read it over and over you can see a flow so from 9 to 17 verse that i read up to 15 now initially he says you cannot stop external suffering only internal suffering can stop and it says and then he said the knower of reality has said that even if recitation and physical hardships are practiced for long periods of time they will be meaningless if the meaning is distracted everywhere um, 
the mind is distracted elsewhere. Sorry, I should read it properly. Um, 17. Even those who wish to find happiness and overcome misery will wander with no aim and no meaning if they do not comprehend the secret of mind, the paramount significance of Dharma. So this is verse 17 where he's ending that concept of ending suffering outside world and ending the suffering in, of our inner world. And also in verse 16, he's saying that all these, even dharma activities like recitations, physical hardships like prostrations, and all the sadhanas, or whatever we do, even if it is practiced for long periods of time, they are meaningless if the mind is distracted. So he's actually keeping them, taking us, leading us, to learn the importance of guarding the mind. And then at the end of verse 17, he's saying, those who wish to find happiness and overcome misery will wander with no aim nor meaning if they do not comprehend this secret of the mind. What is that secret of mind? Constant guarding of our mind is actually the foundation. You can do everything else, all the retreats, all the vow ceremonies, all the initiations. You can do 100,000 prostrations, all the homeworks. <laughs> it all makes you feel good. It, it, maybe it will only add to, add to your pride or a different type of ego. What will help is the paramount significance of Dharma is this secret of the mind. That is the guarding of the mind. That's what he's saying. And see how he's taking to the next verse, verse 18. This being so, I shall hold and guard my mind well. Without the discipline of guarding the mind, what use are many other disciplines? So he's actually renewing his. He's actually saying, what is the use of anything else if I don't guard my mind? Because everything is about guard, uh, about purification of the mind, or transformation of the mind. But if I am not constantly, it's like, it's like I think our, uh, like I recently bought a house, and then this, there is a, we need to have a security system, right? which is like constantly looking who is coming in, who is going in, going out, what time. It is checking everything. There's a lot of sensors. On Actually, there is a sensor on every window. Every time the window is open, I'll get a thing. Ding, that window is open. <laughs> it's like a software that checks, you know, out of the two dozen, a dozen sensors, it goes to satellite and comes back and tells me, okay, this there is a movement here, there's a movement there. So this, this is a security system. You can have everything in your house, but if you don't, if it is not secured, you're, you're, you're not serious. This being so, I shall hold and guard my mind well. Without the discipline of guarding the mind, what is the use of any other discipline? Just as I would be attentive and careful of a wound when amidst a bursting uncontrolled crowd. 
so I should always guard the wound of my mind when dwelling among harmful people. So now he in verse 18 he actually renewed his um, determination to guard the mind and said that that is the main thing to do and there is no all other things are useless it's like the salt in a in a food i think you know you put a little bit salt and then the food becomes um that's actually a saying in india i don't know if that is this is saying like that in english i say you are like or that is like the salt in that food means that is a core one of the core ingredient of the food so he's saying that guarding the mind is the main discipline and all other disciplines are useless if this discipline is not there and then he's actually uh, introducing this concept of wound so guarding the mind and then guarding the wound so if i have a body and i have a wound i'll be very careful walking through the crowds or sitting with people i'll be guarding that wound so just as I would be attentive and careful of a wound when amidst a bursting, uncontrolled crowd, so I should always guard the wound of my mind when dwelling among harmful people. So here he is actually introducing this wound as like ignorance, desire and, and the three poisons. And if I am careful of a wound through fear of it being slightly hurt, then why would why do I not guard the wound of my mind through fear of being crushed by the mountains of hell? Should I behave in such a way as this, then whether among harmful people or even in the midst of others, the steady effort to control myself will not decline. It is better to be without wealth, honor, body and livelihood. And it is better to let other, which, other virtues deteriorate rather than ever to let the virtue of mind, guarding the mind, decline. So this is like, uh, this is a very important verse. He's actually saying it is better to let other virtues deteriorate rather than guarding the mind, decline. So this is verse 22. And I think about in, I think verse 83, he says, other virtues like generosity, patience are lofty, you can show that. But if you don't have no that guarding the mind, that discipline, those are actually more harmful to you. He talks about that later in verse 83. So this is verse 22 where he's saying it is better to be without wealth, honor, body and livelihood. That is a physical things. And it is better to let other virtues deteriorate rather than ever let the guarding of the mind decline. So this is so the guarding, the alertness, the mindfulness of the mind is like a skillful teacher. He's actually giving different, different analogies and logic and flow to get us to learn the importance of that so basically this this verse 22 in chapter 5 actually says that you don't even have to read other things if you are not serious about this 
On 23, he says, Oh, you who wish to guard your mind, I beseech you with folded hands. Always exert yourself to guard mindfulness and alertness. So, this again, he's actually telling himself, Oh, you who wish to guard your minds, I beseech you with folded hands, always exert yourself to guard the mindfulness and alertness. People who are disturbed by sickness have no strength to do anything useful. Likewise, those whose minds are disturbed by confusion have no strength to do anything wholesome. So here he is actually comparing the same analogy like a sickness or a wound. You have to guard your mind just like how you will guard a wound. That's one analogy. The second one is like people who are sick cannot do anything actually. And so if you are not guarding your mind, you are actually similar to somebody who is actually sick. So non no, not having mindfulness or not having alertness is actually a sickness. And if you have that sickness of not guarding your mind, you're actually not doing anything wholesome. In, on verse 25, he compares it to a leaking vase. Whatever has been learned, contemplated and meditated upon by those who whose minds lack alertness, just like water in a leaking vase, will not be retained in their memory. So, again, no matter whatever other practices you do, if you don't have that coming back to our mind and checking what is going on, how am I feeling, what am I doing, um, none of the things that you learned Whatever you have learned, contemplated and meditated upon, just like a water in a le leaking was, will not be retained in their memory. Even those who have much learning, so he's now taking, it's not just for normal people, even people who have a lot of scholarly learning, faith and willing perseverance. So these three things, even those who have much learning and those who have a lot of faith and those who have a lot of perseverance. So these are the three things we need, right? Will become defiled by a moral fall if you do not have, due to the mistake of lacking alertness. So all those things, the three things that we actually do is like we do a lot, we spend a lot of time in learning Dharma. We do a lot of contemplation to increase our faith and trust in the path. And then we constantly renew our motivation, intention and, and willingness, perseverance to continue the path. These three things are very important actually. And we do all the Dharma centers, teachers are always teaching that only. And all of you have that, otherwise you won't be sitting here. But he's saying this will be defiled by the mistake of lacking alertness.
And in 27, he's actually showing another analogy. Verse 27, it's like a thief. The thief of unalertness. The thieves of unalertness in following upon the decline of mindfulness will steal even the merits I have firmly gathered and then I shall then proceed to lower levels. So it's not that you won't even gain merits or you your scholarship, your learning, your faith, your perseverance and willpower. It's not that it's not going to be useful growing or of of any value if you don't have alertness if you don't have alertness you will even lose not only that and even decline you will even go to the lower realms at any time no matter how much faith you have no matter how much scholarship you have no matter how much perseverance and willpower you have discipline you have in all other practices if you don't have the constant alertness of the mind you can fall down to the lower realms that's that is what he's saying the host of thieves who are my own disturbing conceptions will search for a good opportunity having found it they will steal all my virtues and destroy my life in a happy realm <laughs> it's caring <laughs> you know this host of thieves who are my own disturbing conception so when when i don't have an alert you know guarding alertness of my mind the host of thieves which is a disturbing conceptions or our mental afflictions or ignorance you can call. They are waiting for a good opportunity to steal all my virtues and destroy me from this happy realm. Therefore, on verse 29, I shall never let mindfulness depart from the doorway of my mind. If it goes, I should recall the misery of lower realms and firmly reestablish it there. That is verse 29. 29 30 through staying in the company of spiritual masters through the instruction of abbots and through fear mindfulness will easily be generated in fortunate people who practice with respect so this is very important verse verse 30 through staying in the company of spiritual masters so that is the first thing so from verse 1 to 29, he's actually say, you know, talking about everything is mind, external suffering you cannot stop. It is by changing the internal mindset you can stop. That is the secret of mind. And what is the importance of guarding the mind? And it, he compared it to a wound, compared it to a sickness, compared it to a leaking wasp. And then he said, even scholars are not immune. So what about you? Even people with high faith are not immune. People with big willpower are not immune too. So what? If, so he did that comparison, scared us. And you can be a perfect in all other things, but if you don't have this, not only you you will not be able to use those virtue. The thieves are way 
of are actually just waiting to steal everything away and then push you down to lower realms. And then the first antidote or the first practice he is actually saying is through staying in the company of spiritual masters. This is verse 30. Mindfulness will easily be generated. You know, so this is so the importance of the three jewels, right? The third one, the Sangha. Sangha is you. Oh, the, the first one, sorry. Buddha, the, uh, you take refuge in teachers and teachings and the Sangha. So here he's actually talking about the refuge. So it's all the first practice. So you can see that everything that we learned about Buddhism, it's all coming together. The first teaching is, you know, take refuge. <laughs> You know, so he's actually saying all these things and coming back to that first teaching itself. Therefore, through staying in the company of spiritual masters, through the instructions of abbots and through fear, mindfulness will easily be generated in fortunate people who practiced with respect. So the fortunate people, why, why did he say that fortunate people? Because it takes a lot of to be here, to just even hear the name of this text itself takes a lot of karma. To have that curiosity about it, it takes another million tons of karma. <laughs> and then dedicate some time, have, a, have an environment, have, you know, a physical, like we are sitting here, Talk, talking and thinking about the studying this text think about all the things that helped us come here you know all the all the people who I, I don't want to change the subject but hundreds and thousands of people's efforts have benefited us to be here so it takes a lot of good karma to just to hear the and, and understand what is enlightenment the enlightened masters, their texts, and you know, have dedicated time to learn that. So he, that is why he's saying the fortunate people, because we are the fortunate people. And then the second one is second thing he says is who practices with respect. Through staying in the company of spiritual masters, through the instructions of abbots and through fear because fear of what life is precious and it can go away like this you know so it, it is like the fear of losing our life just for animal instincts of trivial pursuits mind through those through staying in company of spiritual masters through instructions of abbots and through fear mindfulness will easily be generated Infortunate people and those who practice with respect. So these two things he's actually putting together. Company of spiritual masters and the whole. Our past karma that brought us here. And then we need to actually handle it with that respect that it actually needs. I am ever dwelling in the presence of all the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas who are always endowed with unobstructed vision, 
by thinking in this way i shall mindfully develop a sense of shame respect and fear and through doing this recollection of the buddha will repeatedly occur this is what the, the next two verses and when mindfulness is set with purpose of guarding the doorway of the mind then alertness will come about and even that which had gone will return so he's actually there is a ray of hope there so even if your alertness or virtues have gone back with when mindfulness is set with the purpose of guarding the doorway of the mind the alertness will come about and even that which had gone will return when just as i am about to act i see that my mind is tainted with defilement i at such a time i should remain unmovable like a piece of wood so from next verse onwards this is up to 33 so up to up, up to verse 29 he was talking about the summary of the need for guarding 30 31 32 and 33 is talking about like company of spiritual masters how fortunate you are you have to practice with respect and he gave us two affirmations i am ever dwelling in the presence of the buddhas and bodhisattvas who was always who are always endowed with unobstructed vision by thinking this way i shall mindfully develop a sense of shame respect and fear and through doing this recollection of buddha will re- repeatedly occur and when mindfulness is set with this purpose of guarding the doorway of the mind then alertness will come and even that which had gone will return so now he is actually giving some um specific situations and what to do when some when you see yourself in some situations verse 34 when just as i am about to act and i see that my mind is tainted with defilements or kleshas or unwholesome thoughts at such a time i should remain unmovable like a piece of wood so this practice of remaining like a piece of wood so last class we actually reviewed the um four four powers what are the four powers the power of um restraint you know power of restraint power of what are the four powers <laughs> um recognition yeah restrain remedy sorry power of regret and power of remedy and the power of restrain so he's actually introducing that power of restrain by actually developing this skill call how how do you actually remain as a piece of wood so he actually in the next i think four or five verses he talks about that particular thing never should i look around distractedly for no purpose without with a resolute mind i should always keep my eye cast eyes cast downwards 
but in order to relax the gaze for a short while i should not i should look around and if somebody appears in my field of vision i should look at him and say welcome <laughs> so he's like um, how to train your gaze don't just like idle talk you know there is a one of the turn on virtues is idle talk just just being compulsively talking and we can do that with eyes also you go somewhere and then just look at everything and then judge everything and analyze everything um so that's what he's saying never should i look around distractedly for no purpose for no purpose so if you are in an art gallery just go and look around <laughs> on every piece of art <laughs> but um otherwise don't just be looking um but in order to relax the gaze for once in a while i should look around and if someone appears in my field of vision i should look at him and say welcome that means um so these two verses are beautiful because one says the need of not wandering your eyes and the second is like if something appears in your field of gaze you welcome it you know so it's all all these verses are like capsules like you can actually take it in and then you know, do a lot of contemplation to check if there is any danger on the path i should look again and again in the four directions to rest i should turn my head around and then look behind me so this is about walking having examined both ahead and behind i should proceed to either come or go being aware of the necessity of such mindful alertness i should behave like this in all situations next verse 39 once having prepared for an action with a thought my body will remain in such way so now first he talked about the gaze and then about walking coming and going and then he stopped he's talking about you how to prepare to act something once having pre prepared for an action with the thought my body will remain in such a way the thought is inverted commas my body will remain in such a way then periodically i should look to see how the body is being maintained with the utmost effort i should check to see that the crazed elephant of my mind is not wandering off but is bound to the great pillar of thinking about dharma yeah this is all it comes back about thinking about dharma not wandering eyes not wandering um body not wandering food coming and going how to walk properly and also when you're doing any action with your body and with that most effort i should check to see that the crazed elephant of my mind is not wandering off but is bound to the great pillar of thinking about dharma those who strive by all means for concentration should not wander off even for a moment by thinking how is my mind behaving then they should closely analyze their mind so <clears throat> see in the four next four chapters is this chapter is guarding awareness next chapter is guarding the patience third one is having joyous effort fourth one is concentration 
So these are period, these are progressively building on each other, and that leads to wisdom and the ultimate generosity. That is ultimate. That is bodhicitta. Those are the chapters nine and ten. So this five, six, seven, eight is mindfulness, not getting angry, joyous effort, and concentration. So concentration practice or the samatha practice or the meditation practice. is ultimate practice that he is actually presenting be just before for as a precursor for gaining wisdom and in this first chapter he is in, introducing that those who strive by all means for concentration should not wander off even a moment by thinking should not wander off even a moment that is the second line by thinking how is my mind behaving they should closely analyze their mind so they should be guarding their mind ask curious inquire how is my mind behaving and then they should closely analyze their mind but if i am the next verse but if i am unable to do this when afraid or involved in celebrations then i should relax likewise it has been taught that at times of giving one may be indifferent i should undertake whatever deed i am intended to do and think of doing i should undertake whatever deed i have intended to do and think of doing it with my mind applied to that task i should set about for the time being to accomplish it by acting this way all will be done well but by acting otherwise neither action will be done likewise there will be no increase in the proximate disturb disturbing conceptions that come from the lack of alertness if i happen to be present while a senseless conversation is taking place or if i happen to see some kind of spectacular show i should abandon attachment towards it if for no reason i start digging the earth picking the grass or drawing patterns on the ground then by recalling the advice of buddhas i should immediately step out of fear out of it out of fear whenever i have the desire to move my body or to say something first of all i should examine my mind and then with steadiness act in a proper way so this last ten verses he is talking about you know the idle chat idle movement of eyes idly moving your body idle chat chatter all those compulsions you know to fill time with idly doing just purposeless things that's what he's actually talking about in this as the first set of practices in guarding the mind look for what you are doing just idly whatever i have distracted thoughts the wish to verbally belittle others okay i missed one verse this is verse 48 whenever there is attachment in my mind and whenever there is the desire to be angry i should not do anything or say anything but remain like a piece of wood so again he is actually coming bringing that 
practice of being in a like a piece of food so the verses before this you are talking about idly doing this now it is like with emotions whenever i have an attachment in my mind and whenever there is a desire to be angry so this is not idle chat or idly idle actions anymore this is like actions with angry and with attachment then also he's giving the same practice the initial practice is talking is the power of restraint that is remain like a piece of wood whenever i have distracted thoughts the wish to verbally belittle others feelings of self importance and self satisfaction when i have the intention to describe the faults of others pretension and the thought to deceive others whenever i am eager for praise or have the desire to blame others whenever i have the wish to speak harshly and cause dispute at all such times i should remain like a piece of wood whenever i desire material gain honor or fame whenever i seek attendance a circle of friends and when in my mind i wish to be served at all these times i should remain like a piece of wood whenever i have the wish to decrease or to stop working for others and the desire to pursue my welfare alone if motivated by such thoughts a wish to say something occurs at all these times i should remain like a piece of wood whenever i have impatience laziness cowardice shamelessness or the desire to talk nonsense if thoughts of partiality comes at all these times too i should remain like a piece of wood so here is like six verses where he's actually telling us to remain like a piece of wood this is his first in, first instruction in this chapter after giving all the dramatic you know um comparison to thieves and falling down to lower realms and all those sickness and wound and all those things after installing the need for guarding the awareness the first practice the first instruction he is giving actually in this chapter is to 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 practice the, the practice of remaining like a piece of wood <clears throat> it's 741 now so i'm actually opening up for questions or thoughts or sharings or anything and we can end with a short meditation or some more verses Cheryl has a question or thought <laughs> yes um thanks Jay. um what to sum up guarding the mind can you make a quick summary of what it say, takes say again what is guarding the mind yes just a, like a quick um, summary can, of that right here <laughs> <laughs> like a summary of of what yes. it means and how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, a good question. Um. So from from this chapter, 
<clears throat> you know, as I said in the introduction, this chapter comes after four chapters. This is the chapter five. So I will uh, I will answer that question uh, from this con context of this book and also then after that in general fashion. So this chapter is guarding awareness, chapter five. So it, it is placed as chapter five after one, two, three, four. One is the benefits of bodhicitta, disclosing the the or confessions of bad karma or purification of karma taking hold of bodhicitta means installing bodhicitta committing to bodhicitta and attending to bodhicitta so guarding the awareness i think according to shantideva is not actually just mere attention or plain awareness it is actually with a continuation of the first four things that we have done. We have done, we have been known, we know the benefits of bodhicitta. The benefits of working for enlightenment for the benefit of all beings, all beings. And then we did the purification of our mind, confessions of our bad karma. And then we actually committed, we take, we took the vow of committing in the first chapter we just learned the benefits in the third chapter we committed and in fourth chapter we learned how to attend to that bodhicitta attend means in the third chapter we have given birth to our bodhicitta and like a newborn baby we are attending so we have to go back and read those chapters. It's 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 very beautiful that that flips like a novel, like you know, one lead one thing leads to another. Um, um, so after all these four things, then we are guarding our awareness. It, it is actually not like the new um, you know mindfulness movement, like you should know what is in your mind. It's not. It is actually guarding the awareness with the bodhicitta intention. That is very important. That is what I think it meant by right mindfulness. Because otherwise it can be boring. With bodhicitta there is a purpose. There is a purpose that I am actually building my mind. To be like the mind of Buddha before I die. You know, and the foundation of it is I, I have got, I have given, I've been given this precious human birth. I have been given this times when Buddha's teachings are available. I am, I'm given this leisure and fortune to have the time and resources to learn and did and be in contact with Sangha members who are like-minded. I am I'm living in an era where teachings are alive and teachers are alive. Teachers who are dedicated. So having that um, knowing that I've been fortunate and then I have actually dedicated given birth to Bodhicitta in my mind, 
and then I am practicing mindfulness. So guarding the awareness in Mahayana Buddhism is not just guarding for the sake of improving your mind. Actually, those kind of guarding actually can be can be um, harmful. So I'm actually using Shanti Deva's techniques here. I'm scaring you. Don't practice mindfulness with bare attention. It can actually cause long-term harm for the mind. Like bare attention, barely knowing that. Like, this is Jay's theory. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm using Shanti Deva's technique of scaring people. And I'm scared myself too. I'm not actually saying for the sake of saying. I think practicing bare attention just for the sake of bare attention is actually just slowing down your mind. You're saying bare, B-A-R-E? Bare, B-A-R-E. Bear attention. So mindfulness, one of the thing is like, oh, I'm sitting in diamond light. I'm sitting next to Lauren. That's it. Or I'm actually, this is inhalation. Here and now. This is 2021. Tuesday night, 7.47. That is numbing down the mind. That is not the guarding the alertness that Shantideva um, he's talking about actually Cheryl you always ask good questions you always <laughs> take the dharma out of me it's a very good question because there's a lot of uh, I think there is a lot of misunderstanding about what is mindfulness you know mindfulness I I, I still remember Dr. Alan Wallace talking about like a sniper can practice mindfulness it just makes him a better sniper a thief can practice mindfulness. It just makes him do what he's doing, you know, the unwholesome thing. A very selfish um, businessman or anybody can practice mindfulness. It is only going to harm them. So Shantideva is actually teaching meditation or uh, sorry mindfulness as chapter five because he can now teach after knowing that he has already taught about the benefits of bodhicitta the benefits of purification benefits of taking owning the bodhicitta and attending to after that he taught guarding the mind so uh, to answer your question more than one of the step the first step in guarding the mind is actually knowing why would i do that you know what Reason one, I have the precious human birth with all the good fortune. I'm living in all those things. You know, I have been given this opportunity to practice Dharma. And then second is like, I have Bodhicitta. I'm not doing this just to get out of my suffering and have a good life um, or a good, you know, or a better life for just for myself. I'm like, I've been given this miracle like mine because I which is actually the same thing that even Shakyamuni Buddha had and I'm gonna use it to become like that and the way for that is having bodhicitta and purified mind so knowing that that is a second step first is knowing our precious and then precious human life and second is installing preciousness of bodhicitta mind and then guarding awareness from that knowing what am I doing now I'm actually sitting uh, next to Lauren asking a question to Jay because I have bodhicitta that is guarding awareness 
it's not guarding awareness or just knowing that okay i am actually asking a question to jay and jay is talking and i'm listening that is just bare attention that only actually that's actually harmful it's better not to do that um, or just better to go out and drink than that because that will cause less harm <laughs> that will cause less harm then because we had we have incredible karma to to learn this and we when we learn this we learn it the right way um so if you can ret re um, repeat the question again i don't know if i um, missed any part of that question just summing up um what guarding awareness yeah so this chapter we have only reached up to maybe 50, verse 50 um, guarding awareness means, first of all, as I said, the first two steps is actually we are, you know, um, the importance of life and importance of bodhicitta and then knowing what I'm doing. At, um, um, anytime, anything, whether or at any time we are actually doing, if you list the things that we are doing, we are either talking or thinking or walking or doing some some bodily actions and we we can practice noticing those things with my pre you know uh, the context of in the context of bodhicitta and precious human birth doing that that actually is actually supercharges our mindfulness um practice when we have that purpose why am i it's not just a skill but there's a reason i am doing it um so knowing our how how my body is feeling and um how my you know the five aggregates i don't know if you if you remember the five aggregates the um it doesn't come to my mind now um, the matter sensation perceptions mental formations and um, consciousness consciousness yeah so having your attention guarding your mind means actually attending to all that at any point of time and it starts slowly by you know you take one action it may be like you dedicate 15 minutes a day to just you know just observing what your mind is and it can be done while you're walking or doing anything at home also you can practice that but then it grows and you can be at a stage where actually you can you a part of your mind is actually aware that you're doing what you're doing and when that part of my mind have bodhicitta also because i'm practicing this because i have i'm in the in the family of buddhas then it has a different flavor it has it, it changes your life does anybody else have any comments on that Shall, um, question ryan I'm trying to remember the source of where where I heard this, but but I've recently read like the de this definition of mindfulness and in introspection. Like the mindfulness is the capacity for your mind to uh, remain on the object of meditation, 
and the introspection is is the ability to notice when it is strayed from the object so that i think that's kind of what you're referring to is like the, the alertness and the guarding guarding of the mind uh, is sort of that uh, the introspection as i think uh, alan wallace would would word it yeah so those are the techniques the the how but the why is because we have bodhicitta so it, the the how is actually there are a lot of teachings about how how to do that so the um, Cheryl's question was actually how but the, then i took 90% of the time to talk about the why because that is the context of this text uh, you know the the reason why we are actually doing those two things of mindfulness attention and introspection is because we are actually trying to guard this bodhicitta mind we are actually developing the bodhicitta that is the mahayana path maitri karunam muditam upeksham maitri karunam muditam upeksham